So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. What have you been doing anyway? <laughs> uh, what's been happening lately? So since I saw you at the wedding, um, nothing exciting except just like just back into clinics and all that sort of stuff. So um, I went to, yeah, went to Noosa the week after James did for his um, honeymoon because they had clinics up there. So that was awesome. Just like went and swam each morning and went for long walks and no kids and stuff. It was amazing. Oh, you dude. That, you should just try it soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, just take off. I've been looking at your clinics that you're doing and um, I was like, oh, maybe Falls Creek isn't the most appealing place for a running camp. Maybe I should just do it um, at a place where the sun shines and there's an excuse to like go down to the water and go to good cafes and actually be able to do something when you're not working out. And I reckon Noosa is pretty appealing. Yeah, because I, I mm. started trying to organise a camp up at Falls Creek this year and the lady called the other day and apparently one of the roads collapsed up at Mount Beauty or there's been a landslide or something and a lot of the access really? in and out of there was closed so oh, yeah, it's going to be a hit and miss as to how many people can come up and uh and when so uh -huh. i thought okay i feel like the the universe is just telling me to go run a camp in the Maldives. yeah <laughs> <laughs> cutting goat tracks around the island it'd be a pretty boring camp for sure what were you um how long were you up in noosa 40 did you say you were there for oh, just, just three days yeah three days um, but I was, I went for a run with Jock last week and he, uh, and we went like to run along the, the river in Geelong and it was so filled, like the, it was just all mud along the pathway. And now the whole, have you seen it lately? So over the Barwon river, it's just like the whole footy field near like, well, just over the river is, is underwater at the moment. Cause I think one of the rivers upstream burst its banks, like up near Ballarat or Bendigo or something. So yeah, it was just like the whole thing, all the paths and the roads next to it are underwater. It's just Man, nuts. I, I drove over, I don't know what the bridge is, but we've run over it a couple of times. I'm going to guess it's something to do with the Barra River Bridge. But <laughs> yeah. we ran over, I ran over that the other day or drove over and I could see some of the residue, I reckon. I could see a whole heap of murk <laughs> halfway yeah. up the banks. It looked like it had been through a, a little bit of damage. Yeah, it's just, it was, so it's, it was worse than it was a couple of weeks ago when it rained oh. heaps. How, um, how far did you guys go? 5k i think not far yeah. like yeah. my yeah my knee only just handled that so um yeah have you been running much oh dude i've actually um do you know andrew huberman yeah yeah i've been getting so into his podcast lately and one of the podcasts that he did was all about his fitness protocol like what he does <laughs> on what days and why he does it and he just fully he just fully converted me because i was exercising each day but it's like oh, i might go for a walk i might go for a jog i might go to the gym and he sort of explained what he does and essentially it's like a nice combination of strength work running um little bit of flexibility and i was like all right i'm gonna do that so essentially one of the things that he does is that we can talk about because this is right up your alley as well on a sunday he either does like a 60 to 75 minute slow jog or a three or four hour hike and I was like, okay, you've got my attention. And he sort of, he ran through, he ran through some of the reasons that he did it. And he obviously uses that as like an aerobic slash um, I don't know, strength in the legs kind of a day. And then the other running day is uh, Thursday, which I copied this morning, but it's not just like a long, slow run. He does a, um, like a tempo run essentially. So I've done this for the last three weeks now and I'm just getting my, my running competitive spirit back up and back up and running, pardon the pun. I've, so I've just been going out and running it like between four minutes to four minute 10K pace for half an hour. 
But then today right. I went out, and I just had one of those days, and I got to the end, and it looks so good on Strava because I was averaging three fifty threes. So I think I'm, I think I'm ready to make my running comeback. And then tomorrow he treats Jeez. as like it's either a running day, but I'm actually thinking I might get in the pool tomorrow and uh, give myself a real workout, just trying to stay afloat because I don't like doing two really hard running days in a row at the moment. And today, sort of by the end of it, it, it gets pretty solid. But then mm. tomorrow, I thought if I get in the pool or on the rower, I've been doing like 20-minute hard hit-outs on the, on the rower uh, the yeah. last couple of weeks, and I'm a, little bit, I'm a little bit bored with it. So I thought, okay, I'll either hit the pool or jump on a stationary bike or something. So long answer, I have been running. It's the most structured it's sort of been <laughs> for a little while. And because I was last time we were talking as well, I'd had a problem with what I thought was old man calf. Yeah. And... I, I've fixed it. Like I just went down a YouTube rabbit hole for a couple of weeks and I've just started doing like a whole heap more um, sort of strength work in my calves and a bit more self-massage in there and some icing. And I've been able to run really consistently without without any pain, which has been the first time pretty much this year. So it's made it so much mm. more enjoyable. But what about what about you? What's happening with your, with your knee? I just, well, I injured at the start of the year and then it's like comes good and we, you know, I was able to run and then it's just like, I don't look after it. So I've just, I've been a bit more consistent with those, like some of the ATG split squats and you know, those ones, have you, no. you've seen the um, knees over toes guy? Oh, I've, dude, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about him a little bit, but I've actually, I've never checked out his stuff just yet. Yeah. So he, uh, he's just got good exercises to strengthen your knees and there's one where it's like one foot forwards, one foot back and you like, you do like a what you call it, like a lunge. No, not a split squat. Yeah, maybe they call it a split lunge. And anyway, so you like, you go forward, you get your knees over your toes and you don't let your back knee touch the ground. And on my right knee, I can't do that on the ground. I've got to have my front foot elevated to probably like, I don't know, that high to be able to do it. But so I've just been building up the strength. So, and when you do that, it I think it allows like, all the sort of blood and fluid to like go into your knee and just like start to repair it and heal it. And you build strength in it too, because you're sort of going forwards and slowly go back. And if I do that consistently, like today it's feeling really good. So I've just been doing the strength work that I think it needs to not re-injure every time. Oh, so, you look, you look yeah. fit though. Like, have you been, you've been swimming and doing a, a bit of other well, stuff or what is that? Or just surfing? <laughs> I've, uh, I've been like in the surf. So like a good tan helps. Uh, but also I've been like been swimming a, a fair bit as well. So, um, and going to the gym a couple of times a week. So I'm just keeping fit, just not running much. Yeah. It's good. Cause when you go down and train with your squad, you're actually getting in there and doing some pretty intense workouts, aren't you? Yeah. We're doing like four, four K sometimes like oh, just over five if we're doing a longer one. So yeah, keeping pretty fit with them, which is good. Yeah. That was one of the things I reckon I was lacking, which is why Andrew Huberman, got me excited to get back into it because so much of it was just, it was like the slow aerobic work, which it feels, <laughs> okay, yeah. feels okay to do. But then you get to the end of like a tempo run like I did today and I was actually working pretty hard or the end of a 20-minute hit out on a rower where you're really working hard. And I feel, you just feel like slightly tired, but in a really good way for the rest of the day. And I've, I've missed that yeah. so much. Like I've missed the feeling of waking up with slightly sore legs but sore, sore in the sense that it's like, all right, this was beneficial to my body, not sore in the sense of like, I need to see a physio. So it's been so nice to, um, yeah, to, to mix up that training routine a bit, but be good. I feel like we've had trouble trying to line up that, uh, that Friday run for a while. Like the last six weeks, ever since little Ollie man came along, I messaged Jock every Thursday. I'm like, dude, sorry, I'm not coming again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to be a good husband. 
is that the uh, is that the yeah. first one you guys have done for a while? Yeah, yeah, first one. Um, I got a message him back actually. I can do tomorrow, but it's gonna have to be a bit later. I think like seven thirty probably. So um, I'll have to see if you can if you can make it. But it'd be good to try and yeah, I want to try and keep doing that. It's a bit longer for you to come though, because it's on my way home from the pool, and for you it's like a half an hour drive or something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, probably half an hour. I mean, it's not it's not too bad. It's it's just enough to use as an excuse if it's inconvenient or if I'm so called trying to be a good husband slash wanting a sleep in. So <laughs> I've, yeah. got, I've got a little bit of luck on my side in that regard. I actually am keen to to get down and do it though, because it's nice to start the day with um, a run and a coffee. And he was saying to me on the phone, he goes, "Oh, I reckon we'll stop starting it at my house and we'll start it at a cafe from now on, so that we'll start at the cafe, finish at the cafe, so we can always finish with that coffee." And that's yeah. really the only reason I would want to come in and run with you boys is because at the end of it, we can finish with a, <laughs> with a coffee and a chat. Such a nice way to start the day. Yeah. Speaking you, of which, uh, I, I went off coffee for a, for a week, which I, I hadn't gone a day without for probably a decade. And uh, it was, and the first day I was having withdrawals, I was like, I was, I was like sweating. I had headaches. I had to nap for an hour and a half and I was, <laughs> I was having real come downs from it. How many coffees do you usually have a day? I was having normally three with normally double all double shots and like maybe a fourth as well. So just, it was way too much. So I'm back down to one now, but Gee. man, it was like, yeah, but I felt amazing going off it for a week. Like it just felt very um, even throughout the day, but then I couldn't yeah, continue. That's interesting. I reckon I'm like a, I'm a usually, a, I've already had two today. What time is it? It's like two o'clock or something like that. And I know I'm driving down to Melbourne to go tell some funny jokes tonight. And I know that like a, a nice coffee gets me through to Geelong. And it's like, all right, well, that first part of the drive is really enjoyable. And yeah. then, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, I, so in 2017, I made the dumbest bet of all time because I was probably having two to three coffees a day. And it was New Year's Eve or pretty close to New Year's Eve. I think it was going into 2017. And I was with a mate and he's like, I'm not going to drink coffee all next year. And I was like, all right, I won't either. And dude, it's not my favorite part of my day. It's my favorite thing to do. But then my ego got in the way. And I remember <laughs> the next morning waking up and I'd shaken his hand. I was like, crap, well, I can't, I can't give up. It's only 10 a.m. <laughs> and long story short, I became the biggest fan of green tea that year. And I broke the drought, which was a really disappointing way to break it because we were coming home from London back to Australia. But I stopped in Vietnam to meet my mum. And we were there. And it was finally New Year's Day. And I was just searching all around Vietnam for a, a decent place to get like a Melbourne coffee. And uh, it was the most disappointing break of the drought because it was just some like sugar milk that they were calling coffee. <laughs> no. So I was like, oh, I think I should have just stuck with the, the green tea. But it's funny, man. Like I definitely drink too much of it. Like three a day is, is too much. But it's the whole process of making it that I just, I love. I, I love the process of making it as much as I love drinking it. Sometimes I'll make the coffee and I'm like, I don't even really want this. It was just something therapeutic about putting it all together. Yeah, the whole process of it. And even when you you like do the grind, put, put the grinder on and then comes out and then you're like a, like a dried out going, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then you put it, <laughs> you put it down and you put it in the coffee machine. It's like, yeah, it's, it's the whole ritual and build up that's, a big part of it and even just going to the coffee shop and like saying hi to the guys behind the counter and um yeah just like having people that you know there too that was like that was one of the harder things to yeah get used that's, to doing it's so true that's one thing i really enjoy about it especially now i'm i'm sort of working for myself is i'll spend i'm upstairs in my house right now and i'll spend all day up here sometimes without seeing another person which some days is great 
And other days I'm like, oh, I just need, I'm just so sick of my own company. So I'll go down to the local, that Pasquini's where we stopped after our big walk the other day. They still were in, ago. okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, I'll go down there and have a little bit of a chat. But the flip side is one of the blokes down there, he's, he's the ultimate talker. He puts me to shame. And if you get him when he's in a chatty mood, I'll go down there to have a coffee and just do some work. And you'll, you'll sit there for 45 minutes. You're like, all right, I've got nothing done. And now I've got to go home. So it's a, a bit of a roll of the dice as to whether it's worth the coffee hitting the conversation and getting no work done. But, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a sweet spot, isn't there? It's like, yeah, okay, I want to go down and have a coffee. But then if it is 40 minutes later and you've either been like distracted on your phone or like got caught talking to someone, you go home and you're like, God damn, I've got so much work to do. Now I'm just pissed off. And I want to <laughs> yes. like, yeah, and it's just made it worse. It's so true. Do you um do you do much of your work down at cafes, or are you pretty much just homebound when you when you're doing all your work? Uh, I used to like when we were living in Mentone, we I was doing a lot of work on the laptop in the kitchen because we didn't have a separate office. Or no, we had one, but I just I didn't want to use it, so I'd be sitting in the kitchen. And I used to just hate you know hate working in there. I used to hate working in the office at home, so I'd take the laptop down to the cafe and try and work. But I you can't do any deep work there. You can't. It's just like reply to emails. That was the extent of what I could get done. But it kind of felt like, a, yeah, just a break to the routine. But like, yeah, so unproductive when I was was doing that. It's so true. I went, uh, the kids here were going nuts yesterday. And I was like, all right, I've got to get out of here. So I went to a little cafe in Ocean Grove. And I went there and there was a mums group there with about eight mums <laughs> and about 14 kids under two. And I was like, oh, this is the first time in my life I think I wished I had to just stayed at home upstairs and <laughs> listen to my own kids. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, I go there when I... If it's just admin kind of things, obviously, like a lot of the stuff that you can't go down and make YouTube videos and stuff because it just looks a little bit too creepy. But in terms of just getting the really boring stuff done, there's something about like that little buzz that's just in the atmosphere that I'm like, all right, this is at least a little bit more entertaining than than what I'm doing at home. How many are you yeah. sort of doing pretty structured work? Do you have a bit of a routine that you go through each day with yours or is it just whatever needs doing, you'll just do it when it can be done? <laughs> yeah none there's no there's no structure to it really like i've got the things that i need to do each day which is just like you know, try and get through some emails do some video analysis um make sure i'm up to date on the customer support stuff but then it's like yeah i just i'm just i'm so unproductive that it annoys me and it's annoyed me for years and i haven't changed it there's times where i will be productive like this morning i i probably did two hours, two and a half hours of solid work where I just, I think I might've recorded five YouTube videos because I want to just get content done until the end of January. So I can just kind of take December, January off for the most part, just like do what I need to do. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's just, there's, I need more, I, I'd be better with more structure. But the problem with that is when the surf's good, I like, I, you don't know, really know when it's going to be good. Like you can look at the forecast, but if it's not, yeah, if it changes and you're like, oh man, today's actually really good and I've got like all these things lined up, I'm always in a shitty mood. I'm like, how can I clear my calendar and <laughs> uh, and get out of these things? Because that's that to me is like the number one, the most important thing. And if I miss oh. the surf, I'm, yeah, I'm not happy. I hope the surf is rubbish right now, is it? It is, yeah, yeah you're safe. <laughs> I, 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 I would have asked to move it <laughs> if it was really good. Um, and I, I would have allowed you to. Uh, that, that's funny, man. It's that's one thing. That's one thing I was interested to talk to you about this because, for for anyone listening, you you have you've got the best lifestyle in the whole wide world, and I love the fact that you've sort of created it that way. And it's so different to what I probably knew up until about three or four years ago that it blew my mind 
when I realized you were doing well with what you were doing and you also had time in your day to do things you also really wanted to do. And I heard you on James Tremco's podcast six months ago and you were talking about like one of the things that you wrote down on a piece of paper 10 years ago was you want a job or you want to create your life where when the surf's good, I can go surfing. And it makes so much sense. You're like, of course, that's what you should do. But the for so many of us, that the mindset is like, oh, no, no, you've got to go to work and work hard and come home and just try and squeeze in a holiday where you can surf for a couple of weeks a year. Um, just no interest to you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I think surfing broke me. When I was 18, I started surfing. And then I kind of got hooked when I was 19, 20. And that was like the thing that I just thought about the most. I'd look at the forecasts every week, check the winds. And that's all I thought about. Like when I wake up, it's like, well, all right, what's the surf doing? When can I go? And, and that to me is like, that started to be the most important thing because in terms of what I, you know, what I made and uh, what I earned and all that sort of stuff, it's like that comes second as long as I can surf because I just, that's the thing that I enjoy the most aside from my lovely family and all of that yeah, but, and the kids. But surfing's lovely all the time and families, <laughs> uh, I love my family too, but I love, I love, I was going to say surfing, but I've had your surfboard for two years now and used it twice which is why I'm returning it to you this weekend. I can't say I love surfing, but I, I want to love, like, what is it about getting out there in the water that you are, uh, that just gets you so much? Because I feel whenever I'm, whenever I'm out in nature or whenever I'm out in, like just going for a run through, um, you know, whether we're up at Fernie Creek or uh, running through the, what's it called up there? Sherbrooke Forest. When we're out in nature like that, I'm like, all right, I get the appeal here. My problem is when I'm surfing is I'm out there, I'm like, this is lovely, but also, like there's so many sharks near me that I can't, I can't relax. Like what is it about the surfing world that you are, it just gets you up and about? I think it's, I just like being outdoors. Like I had, there's a guy, Gustav Eden, who won the world championships in Ironman a couple of weeks ago. I was fortunate to have him on my podcast last week. And I said, what do you love about triathlon? Cause it's a, especially Ironman, it's a bloody hard sport. So much time involved, but this guy's always got a smile on his face. And I said, what do you love about it? He's just like, I love being outdoors. And, and I thought about like, that's such a good reason to do triathlon because you're outdoors all the time. And, and that resonated with me a lot because in, in surfing, like you're outdoors, there's no phone, there's no distractions. There's the challenge as well, especially if conditions are, are big or it's windy, you kind of feel a little bit stoic out there if, if it's pissing down rain and, uh, and you got the, like the wind and the chop blowing in your face, but there's the opportunity there of you know, catching a good wave or getting barreled or just in, in improving your skills. So there's so many of those things that tick a lot of the boxes that I find like exciting and, and fun. And it's, it's where I can play. And you think of being a kid where you're, you're young, you go to the playground and you're, you're playing dodgeball, all these things where you get the opportunity to have fun and play. But as an adult, I, there's not much, there's not many opportunities to do that, but surfing's really one where I feel like I can actually play. So that is the, one of the biggest appeals I think as well. Yeah, it's such a good point. I feel like you just described that in a way that I describe what I'm doing with comedy, apart from the outdoor side of things. It's, it is, <laughs> it's really like the, uh, it's, it's just the attraction of ha constantly having something to improve. Hey, like it's a, mm. uh, yeah, I would describe comedy in the same sort of sense. It's like, all right, you get to play, get to challenge yourself. Sometimes you feel stoic. Other times you just feel like a flog. I'm not sure if you have those moments <laughs> on any days in particular out in the water, but it's interesting to hear people describe what they love and what sort of gives them a kick. Cause a lot of the time there's so many crossover points, but for the amount of YouTube videos that I watch of surfing, it's amazing that I'm not at least semi-professional because if you looked at my 
sort of uh, history on YouTube, you'd go, all right, this guy's a very good surfer. <laughs> and then you're like, when was the last time you surfed? And I, I can't quite remember. So I'm trying to slowly get the bug. And I thought moving across the road from the water would make me a, at least <laughs> relatively good surfer in six months. But it hasn't. It's just made me appreciate how cold water in Victoria can get. <laughs> During uh, the winter months. I think you. I think you're missing a, a warm wetsuit, the right board, and to and to know anything about when to go out, <laughs> to know anything point. about the conditions. So just like probably the three most important factors of like really getting into surfing, I think you're missing those three things. Apart, we've got you've got the beach part sorted, but everything else is is probably missing. Right well, I went down to I went to Ocean Grove the other day, and I was like, oh, maybe it'd just be a good day to jump in and body surf. And I went down, and one of the other things at the moment, have you seen Ocean Grove lately? Oh, it's filthy. Oh, so it is gross. horrific. I don't, how long is it going to be like that for? I thought that floodwater would be around for a couple of days and then it would just sort of disappear back into the ocean. But it's been there fairly solidly for like a month, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, it's probably going to be at least another at least another two weeks just with the last week of rainfall. So, And because that river just you know, flows out, I think it's the Barwon River that flows out there and it just the current takes it down that, in that direction. It's going to be nasty for a while. So I saw, I saw yeah. a bloke there the other day getting out and he, uh, he had his surfboard under his arm and his dog next to him. And I looked at him, not like, man, you're such a cool surfer. I was like, you're just a disgusting human. I can't believe you've <laughs> been out there in that poo water for, <laughs> for however long you were there. It's good though. It's a, it's a funny thing, hey, because not a lot of people try and structure or even think it's an option to be able to build a career around what you actually love doing, like this, this playtime activity essentially. Like, did, did you sort of, was that something that just came as a side effect of building your own business? Or was that something that even when you're at uni in the early stages of getting effortless swimming up and running that you're like, all right, the reason I'm starting this is because I want to surf? Or like, what was the crossover between those two things? Now, I've always, I've always been like business minded. When I was 15, I think, 14 or 15, I was looking on eBay. This is when eBay was pretty new. And that, that you know, the mini disc players. Mm -hmm. the, like the old, it's like the advanced Walkman it was. And I saw from the US you could buy them for say $200 and sell them for $300 here in Australia on the Australian eBay. So I ended up buying a couple of those and then making some money. And I was like, oh my God, like how, that's amazing. And I was 14 or 15. It was equivalent of like 20 hours work at Macca's for just selling one of these mini displays for, for a higher price. And so that got me, that kind of, I caught the bug with that. And then I just started like buying stuff overseas and selling it on eBay. And then I paid some friends to help me ship stuff out because we had quite a few orders coming in. So some of the guys that I used to swim with would help me come and pack orders on a weekend. And so I was like, like that idea of not having to go and get a job at Macca's like a lot of my friends had. And then when I started uni, I was like, I've got no idea how to start like a legitimate business because the eBay stuff wasn't legitimate. Um, but yeah, I'll just, we'll see what happens. And then I did entrepreneurship at uni, which if you want to become an entrepreneur, you don't need a university course, but uh, I, that was the only course that really appealed to me. And then the last year of uni, the option was you can either go and work at or have placement at Deloitte, the big accounting firm, or you can start your own business. I thought, I'm not going to go and work at Deloitte. That sounds like hell to me. And I don't even know what that is back then. <laughs> uh, so I so I just, yeah, try, I tried to start up this business. And then uh, I actually recorded an, an online course with Sam Ashby, our, our walking mate. And he, yeah, because he was a swimmer. So we filmed this, this course. And then I just started 
selling that on online. I thought, okay, there's like, I know swimming, I'm, I'm a coach. I, I, you know, this is something that, that appeals to me and I can see an opportunity here and then just pursued it from there. And it like, it only took 12, 12 years, 10 years, something to make it, to make it come to fruition and, and be a proper business, but eventually got there in the end. And yeah, just always had, was inclined that way. So I think you got to follow your passions and inclinations of what you have as a child not all of them like as a 10 year old i thought i wanted to live in the jungle but like <laughs> <laughs> things change but a lot of the the ways you're inclined i think as a, at a young age can like they're still there when you're older like is there anything that you can think of for you that like like class clown telling jokes in front of the teacher <laughs> yeah, yeah, point. I actually that's actually probably the best example you could come up with out of everything apart from being interested in running i never thought of running as a business when I was young, I always just thought of it as something that I was convinced I was going to make heaps of money because I was going to be the best in the world at it. And then I realized that there's these things called Kenyans. And it made it really <laughs> um, But yeah, probably honestly, the, the comedy side of things, like I always loved the idea of just, I like the idea of pushing the boundary of what's acceptable to say a little bit, whether that was in a classroom or whether that was with a group of mates. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can get away with this. And just seeing the discomfort on some people's faces and then just seeing other people's shoulders break a little bit. Like I'm a, I'm attracted to that idea. But if we're talking about business, I, I probably can't bring the conversation of comedy into it because at the moment all I'm doing is paying about $100 in petrol money a week to go and do five-minute spots at different places and make <laughs> no money from it. But um it's I was attracted to the idea of what you were doing a, a few or probably when I first found out about it four or five years ago maybe because I thought that was that was really the first time I'd ever had much of an interest in actual business because I was I was just going through the motions of just going to school and uh, sorry going to uni and I was using uni as a bit of a just buying time to focus on my running up in Ballarat and I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted to do and before I knew it I was a school teacher and I was that school teacher where I'd go in and I was working casually and the kids are like, this guy hates this. And as a result, we <laughs> hate this. And, um, well, they liked me too much, to be fair, because I was the teacher that didn't make them work. And then I was like, all right, this is not good for anybody. So <laughs> yeah. I just started to flirt with the idea of, of maybe what was possible. And then obviously our mutual friend, um, AJ, I heard, had a few good chats with him about a business called The Netball Coach that he runs. And then I spoke to you. Because it was just foreign to me. I didn't understand that you could create a course and put it online and people were interested. So with, with that first step, obviously you're doing the entrepreneur course at uni, but what even made you think about putting something online and trying to sell it at that point? Because sort of 12 or 13 years ago, I, I didn't even know that was an option. Well, this is pretty new. I, someone, I think it was like a mentor, a mentor or someone who had maybe been through the entrepreneurship course he, he sent me an, an email with a link to this like course in, in Melbourne that was running about like internet business. And he said, oh, you might enjoy this. And I went along to this course, I think it was a two-day thing. And the guy basically just taught that the concept of how to get customers, how to put you know, a course together or how to get a product. And that was, oh, I, I, I knew a little bit about that before going into it, but this was just like, okay, this is a blueprint for me to, to follow. And so I just pretty much followed that and just took the steps and that just started me on that, that journey. And initially I didn't want to be, I only wanted to be an online, like I didn't want my face to be on it, didn't want my name to be behind it because I'm thinking I'm this not 21 year old kid. No one knows who I am. I've got, what right have I got to be, or even teaching this stuff. And, 
uh, and I've got no credibility really. I was a decent swimmer as a kid, but I felt like I had no credibility. And yeah, so I was, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not going to put my face to this or name to it. I'm just going to sort of be behind the scenes. And that was all right for, for a while, but then I realized, okay, it's much better to actually put myself out there and take that step. And then I started the podcast and then with the YouTube videos, I like, had my face to it and, and just built up the confidence to, to do that. But I think especially as a young person back then, at least it's like, yeah, you, you're just like, who am I to be doing this stuff? But you look at kids these days, they're like 18, 19 on TikTok and it's, it's only them. So yeah, maybe times have changed, but <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to have a little bit more of that, um, the the way of thinking of um, like to be more of a narcissist and just be it's all about me maybe that yeah, I would have had seriously. more success I, early <laughs> that's right I'm so glad TikTok wasn't around when I was 21 because I would have been at the face of it doing my best to get famous <laughs> and it would have been you would have been cancelled way earlier I would have been on that and OnlyFans at the age of 21 it just would have been a really weird <laughs> sort of entry into the rest of my life it would have, and it would have been on OnlyFans as an embarrassment I would have had millions of subscribers. <laughs> just because they couldn't believe what, what little they were seeing. <laughs> um, yeah, so with the, with the first course, you mentioned that the entrepreneur or this particular clinic or whatever it was that you went to showed you the basics of how to sell a product online. Like what, what was that process back then? Because what are we, 2009? I guess Facebook had been around for a while, but I don't know how much of the platform on social media was aimed at marketing and sponsorship and things like that. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think when Facebook, it was like Facebook was really new. I don't know if it was in a, it might've just started in Australia, but the the process then was that like you put together the course and then in order to market it, you, the way I was taught was get a, like have a newsletter or have an email list that someone can join and then you can send them something for free in exchange for joining the, the list and then you can provide that value and offer them the course. And the way that I initially got people to find out about it was YouTube had just started. It, it might have been 12 months old when I came across it. And then I posted three videos on YouTube about, and they were just some short clips, maybe two minutes long. They're still on there, I think, about how to, how to swim faster. And I said, for more tips, go to our website, Effortless Swimming, and you, know, you can get whatever this PDF or something. And yeah, and, and then built an email list of like 100 people in, in a month. And then 10 of those people bought this course that I, that I started with Sam and just started from there. I was like, and when that first sale came in, I was like, oh my God, like this person in America has just bought this course. <laughs> they don't know who I am. I don't know who they are. And it's just been all autom yeah, automated and, and delivered. And I was like, wow, this is in incredible that this is a thing. And so ever since then, it's like the first thing I do in the morning is just wake up and check my email and check sales. And I've got that dopamine hit. I'm just addicted to that for the last like 12 years. <laughs> so, Are you still addicted to that? Still addicted to it, which oh, is a bad I'm, thing. But it's yeah. so true. I The amount of times I've had to delete Stripe from my phone for the same reason, because <laughs> I was speaking to someone the other day and he's good mates with a guy who runs an online membership. It's called The Salt Guide. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. But he, uh, he does a lot on SEN with Paddy Dangerfield because Paddy Dangerfield's a real keen fisherman. And so all this guy does, his name's Aaron, he'll, uh, he'll go out into the bay. I'm not sure if he goes out or what he does, but he looks at, at currents and he'll look at weather and he'll look at trends and he'll tell people where certain fish are at what times of the year, what times of the month, blah, blah, blah. And he's got like really good conversions in terms of sending people to the right place. And as a result, he's... It's not only the membership side of things. It's like the sponsorship that he gets with boats and cars and 
Um, he had a program on Channel 7 with Paddy where they would go out and do one of those fishing shows. But he was one of those kind of examples where it's like, oh, I didn't realise that there was a market for this. But uh, his mate Zane was telling me the other day that uh, he was out on the boat with him and this little thing in his pocket kept going ding, like ding. And he's like, dude, what are you getting so many text messages for? He's like, no, nah, that's what I get every time a new member signs up. Jeez. And uh, I thought that's the last thing I need because <laughs> I don't need any dings whatsoever to give me the the desire to log on and check it out. But I thought my business only been three years old, that it was just part of being new to the scene relatively. But nine years down the track, it sounds like I'm still going to uh, <laughs> still yeah, going to be yeah. hopefully looking at some even bigger numbers though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't change with the yeah with the dopamine hits. It's like coffee; it's just so hard to get yourself off it. Like it is a it is a drug, um, but I'm sure people have overcome it. But it's there could be worse things that I'm doing. You know, I gave yeah. up the drugs long ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening, I've never done anything. I'm the most boring person. My dad doesn't drink alcohol, and I'm heading it down that path. Oh, <laughs> no drugs, that, no alcohol. No, it's exactly it's exactly like me. I sometimes try and convince people that I, I had a real history, but they go, Toss, I can tell by this conversation <laughs> you've done nothing." I said, "Well, I had a really big glass of red wine one night. It was it was wine." <laughs> um, yeah, it makes sense. I guess. Uh, I guess unless you're Elon Musk, you can't really get away with you know dabbling in the rocket scene and dabbling in the marijuana scene. It just doesn't come off quite as well on the YouTube videos. That's interesting, man. So from the point you launched that to the point where you were full-time with the business, like what was, was that pretty much immediately? You were like, all right, I'm just taking the leap. I'll just do this and see how it goes. Or were you backing it up with something else? No, yeah, I was, so I was coaching uh, a squad uh, in Melbourne, coaching there seven times a week. I think I was earning $24,000 a year from that that job. And probably half of that was spent in petrol and coffee on each trip there. So I was scrimping by. And so for several years, I was earning a little bit from the business, a little bit from the coaching and just surfing whenever it was good. And my wife was working full time. And it wasn't until she fell pregnant or no, we were planning to have a kid that she said to me, pull your finger out because I'm not going to be working when we have a kid. So you better actually do something and either like stop surfing or just make something of the business or you can go and get a job. And I was like, no, all right, <laughs> all right, anything but that. And then I yeah, figured out what to do. Then I put a bit more effort in and gave it a bit more thought onto what actually works and, and converts. And then I focused more on the, the in-person clinics that we do where we do underwater filming and analysis and started to grow those and then did a little bit more with the online business and just put in a bit more work basically and it yeah. uh, it eventually became full-time but it did take a while and it, and it took yeah I, I had things pretty cruisy i had things too too easy i think and not enough pain to be able to really get me into into gear so i think sometimes that like yeah, you, you need that that threat of, of something rather than just the appeal of like oh wouldn't it be cool to like you know be full-time with this and maybe not have to get up early mornings and coach like that's it's not it wasn't enough of a yeah, of, of an appeal. So I think it's good to have something to to run away from as well. And to me, that was the threat of having to go and get a job if when my son was born. Yeah. So what well, you've never really been overly driven by like a huge income. It sounds like you just were more interested in the freedom to run your own show than have a massive paycheck coming in. Like I I, I feel like that's a um, it seems to be a little limitation from what I can tell from some people who are uh, you know maybe working a little more in a full time job it's scary to leave a full-time job 
into something which pays way less if that pay is a really attractive or encouraging part of your life. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I, I felt as though if I was single right now, the idea of not having a job and having no money, I would make it work. But with the fact <laughs> I've got a wife and two kids, I'm like, okay, I can't really justify that. So the idea of stepping out and starting a business doesn't sound that scary to me. Whereas the flip side of that coin is, and James Tremco seems like an interesting example when he got started. He was on a really big pay salary, but he was he was working the hours to to make the money that he was making. And it sounds mm. like a scary launch from there into nothing. Really, like is that a fair fair assessment of of you uh... with the with the fact that the money was never really the massive driving factor. It was more just like, just let me do what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I, yeah, certainly, you know, you love to earn money and all that stuff, but it's just, I, I didn't really care. I just wanted to have the free, the freedom and the free time to do to do what I want. And on that list of 10 things that I wrote when I was, uh, when I was probably 20, like one of those was about, I want to earn a certain amount each year, but the rest of them was like, I want to be able to work with the people that I choose to I want to live near the beach. I want to be able to read the books that I want to read whenever I can. And um, like, yeah, like that was such a, such a side, such a side note. And actually I had a, a, a mate of mine, he was running a, like a business. He was kind of like a, his own contractor, own, own consultant in, in marketing. And he was kind of, he'd had, not, had enough of just working with clients. He had five or six clients and he was like, no, I've had enough. I'm going to go get a, get a job in, in marketing in a, in a business. And he lasted there three months. He's a, he's a mate of mine that lives close by. He lasted there for th- for three months, and he then he's like, "Nah, I can't do this anymore because the whole the whole like ethos there was what it like just don't lose your job, don't do anything to rock the boat." And he was coming up with really good like copy for these ad campaigns and stuff, and they're like, "No, no, no, take that out, take that out." And I I, I don't want to say what it was about, but it's just like it was so basic and simple. You could get a like AI, or you could get a monkey to write the stuff that they eventually settled on. He's like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> like, this is just a, just a joke. And so for him, he was like, yeah, I, I can't work in this environment. And then he, he quit, but he did say like, he, he held off for three months because in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, but you know, what if I've got this secure paycheck? Like, what if I you know, can't find another job or something like he, he was getting into that mindset that I think a lot of people get, get trapped in. Uh, even though he you know, worked for himself for years. So, um, yeah, I think it's easy to get caught up by that and all the, it rubs off from the other people in the organisation. Oh, man, it's so true. I feel like I've got so much in common with you, mate. I was working as a school teacher three or four years ago and I remember I got a I got an email from the principal saying, Tyus, I need to see you in my office. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't had this since grade five. <laughs> and I had no idea what it was about because I thought I was on my best behaviour. And I walked in and she pulled up my Instagram account and I thought I was being funny. And I just had a photo of Jessie just sitting on the couch and she was she was on my computer and she was replying to my emails. And I said, here's a, here's a photo of my wife doing my work emails. Emails are ridiculous. <laughs> and I thought I was just being cheeky and having a little bit of fun. But it shows how out of touch I was with the corporate scene because um, <laughs> I got pulled and she's like, look, this is a... Um, uh, you know, this is this isn't a great look for the school. I was like, you you're probably right. I probably shouldn't admit that. I go honestly though. Scroll down four more photos because I thought that's the one that you're going to tell me off about. And it was a photo of um, it was a photo of Jesse and my old dog just sitting on a beanbag. We were camping, and I I written the caption uh, camping with my two bitches. And, and she's like she's like could you, she goes could you take that one down too. <laughs> 
And did you refuse to? Because you're like, no, that's some of my best work. I'm not making it. Some of my best work. Well, funnily enough, the one of Jesse on the computers is gone, but the one with me and my two bitches is still up there. I thought, yeah, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. But um, I knew I'd, I'd also I also knew that my my time frame at that school was limited. So. I, uh, I, I pretty soon after handed in my resignation and said, from next year, don't worry about me. I'm, a, I'm not going to be around. Save you all a whole, whole heap of stress. But it's funny as well because once you get a taste for the freedom and just the ability to, to be a little bit more open with your opinions and put on Instagram what you want to put on, I find it so refreshing. I'm like, I can't imagine being called into a principal's office anymore at the age of 35 <laughs> and her saying, hey, this isn't really acceptable. My mate, like, I had that I had that till I was 18 growing up and, just unless it's ridiculous, I, I don't really need to be pulled up on it because I'm old no. enough now that I should know what's right and wrong. And sometimes I still choose the wrong one because it's funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole part of that like anti-work movement, isn't it? Where like, I think people are just sick of being accountable to like people they don't like or people they don't respect or just like just that ridiculous stuff. And, and I, I get it from a corporate perspective too. Like I get it. You've got, um, you, you can't, you don't really want to rock the boat. You don't want to like be sued, all this sort of stuff. But if you're a person working there, like it just, I don't know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be controlled by, by that. And even if I get told like I've done something the wrong way or whatever, immediately I get my back up. I'm like, whatever, like, I'd, like, you know, who are you to tell me this? Like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I need to sort of check myself on that too. Cause you can go too far one way. It's like, it's okay to get feedback and you know, I don't, I don't know everything, but yeah, it's hard to break out of that mindset. Oh, so true. I remember the, the defining moment for me wasn't being called to the principal's office. It was we were sitting in our apartment and I was a primary school teacher and I thought I'd taken a role for just a casual teacher a couple of times a week, but it turns out it wasn't as casual as much as it was a contract and um, reports and everything were required. And I remember sitting in our apartment trying to understand whether or not my class had got their year five math sums right or wrong and having to do the working out. And I was sitting there for about an hour and a half and I had no idea, like whatever it was they were learning, I hadn't learned. And I was looking at it going, this is like, what am I doing? And Jesse goes, like, babe, you've got to get out of this. Like, this is so bad for your health and it's so bad for hers, so bad for mine. So uh, I got out for the, the whole Popplestone family's sake, which is, <laughs> has been the best thing I'd, I'd ever done. It's a, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange time. I mean, I can't imagine you being the kind of bloke to, to get stressed you always come across fairly relaxed even when you're probably stressed like what what frustrates you what do you get worked up about yeah talk talk to em and you'll find it's a different <laughs> different story i've had quite a few people say that like oh you're so relaxed you're so laid back and it's like yeah i can i'm great at giving off that perception but um now what, what probably stresses me out it's actually if i if i've got work to do if i have like things that i need to get done that i've promised to clients or you know customers or like the people that work for me, it's like, yeah, if I don't do that and I'm like, yeah, then I, then I get stressed, then I get frustrated. So it's actually, if I, if I haven't lived up to my word or expectations that I've set with people, then I actually get stressed. So that's, that's probably the worst one is when I know there's work to do and I haven't done it because I've like just wasted the day or um, have just got, had stuff on. So that's actually, that's probably the main, the main thing. And then obviously, you know, if the kids have been screaming for two hours straight because oh. they might be tired and um, maybe sick and then they're just like, they're losing it and crying. It's just like that, yeah. I think that gets everyone's back up a little bit, like where you're just like, oh, all right, I need to just, I need a break for a second. But um, yeah. yeah, that's human, right? 
I hope. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. Well, I'm going to say yeah, for sure, because I also have people say to me, like, you seem relaxed and you don't seem too stressed unless they know me well. And Jessie would say the same thing. She's like, oh, yeah, it's, that's real funny that you think he's so yeah, chill because yes, the amount yes. of times she has to hear slams and stuff from upstairs because I'm being a bitch about something not working. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little concerning. Um, Em and, and I are actually watching uh, Alone, the TV series where they go out into the woods and try and survive as long as they can. And we're watching season two and there's like, they're all like, they're all pretty calm. There's one guy who's like, he'll, he'll fall uh, a meter off of like a little hill. Like he slipped down. He's like, mother F, and he's like, he's just like, <laughs> dropping F-bombs left, right and center. And we're laughing like, oh my God, you like, how long are you going to last out here? Because he's the only one just cracking the, cracking the shits. And then I'm like, oh, that's probably going to be me. If I was out there in the woods by myself, <laughs> like, yeah, I'll be that guy. Oh, I was a vegetarian until I started watching that show because I was like, ah, oh, okay, I'm, this is the best decision. I'm going to be a vegetarian. It's for my health. It's for that planet. What a great human I am. Then I watched one episode of that and there was no one growing blueberries out there. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is the most yeah. unnatural thing I've ever done. So I, um, I love that show for that because it's like, all right, this is what a real man looks like. And it just highlights to me that I've spent too much time in the city. Whenever <laughs> I watch that, I'm like, oh, because I'm always like, oh, the hardest thing for me about uh, – the reason I was vegetarian is because I was I was thinking oh, I could never kill an animal like it's just not not in me to do that like how harsh, and then I I, I realised it's just because I haven't been exposed to that at all in my whole life, and I reckon I'd last yeah. a day and a half out there before I was getting uptight about the fact there was no no soy soy lattes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they only last so long on the on the bull kelp and. Um, and like other moss and stuff that they eat, right? And then it's like, I need some meat. It's like, all right, it's pretty primal. It's pretty, like, that's that's a requirement for, for it, people. The other thing I got out of that was it was amazing how much elk you can eat and still be losing weight. I didn't realize it was such a lean meat that you needed, what was it? You can eat so much of the elk, but they needed salmon or something with some bigger fat. Because one guy shot an elk and he's like, oh, good, we're, we're sweet. And then oh, the really? further on he went, the more he was like, actually, no, I'm, I think is it all protein and zero fat? Or so, have you seen yeah, I that? Think series? I think I, no, you've spoiler alert, but yeah, sorry, um, my bad. One, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think that's right. Like it's a really, it's a really lean meat. There's not much, not much fat on it. So the more you know, oh, dude, I'll, ma yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I don't just eat elk again. That's <laughs> why I'm so cut right now. I better. You yeah. ate, well, you say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> But if you took the shirt off, it's it's funny. We were down at the beach with you a few months ago, and Jocker sent me a message after. He's like, "Bro, do you notice? Do you notice Brent's shape?" I was like, "No, I didn't. I didn't notice that the whole time he was walking along the beach. What are you talking about?" He's like, "Mate, we got to get back to the gym." And uh, I was disappointed because I thought so, we, I thought uh, you and I looked very similar from what I saw. And Jocker's like, "I can guarantee it's a it's a lot different look." Oh, it's, it's so a, not true. That's so not true. Times have changed since then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Swimming's good for that as well, I reckon. You can sort of maintain a bit of physique, whereas if you run too much, you just get you get very ribby. Um, yeah. So I reckon that's one of the more, more attractive sides of what you're doing than it is to what I'm interested in. But, dude, what I wanted to ask you about as well, because uh, you mentioned clinics before and uh, some of the work that you've done there with the um, in-person kind of stuff. And the big one, the, the cool one that I, I've liked, seeing some photos and stuff from was your Maldives trip. Um, as a keen surfer and a, a swimmer, I know it was a strategic move on your behalf, but um, tell us a little bit more about that because I, I think you gave me a bit of an overview when we caught up at Jocker's wedding about how the day was structured. But um, 
it was pretty much just a surf trip with like a little bit of work sprinkled around it, wasn't it? Ah, oh, give us some credit. <laughs> that, so I had uh, like six, probably six years ago now, I, I'd never run a camp or anything like that. And then, and I thought, oh, who is going to want to go overseas with me and like have me coach a swim camp uh, there? And then, and then a, a guy I knew said, oh, look, I'm working at this resort in Thailand. Uh, you know, do you want to come along and just maybe see if some swimmers want to come? I was like, oh, all right, I'll book some rooms and, and do it. And ended up filling up that camp. And then from then on, we started running camps overseas. And I was like, wow, okay, there's a market for this. And this is a pretty cool way to have an overseas trip and enjoy it. And then uh, turn around to, to last year or this year, I had a, a surf trip booked already in the Maldives. And I wanted to start running camps again since the, the pandemic and then I thought, oh, maybe I'd be able to go to the Maldives and have people come along. So I ended up just, I saw a resort that I knew had run swim camps before. So I just booked some rooms and then opened it up and it, yeah, booked up in like 12 hours. So people were really keen to go. And yeah, it was, it was unreal. Like the water was 28 degrees. There, there was like the first day, the first morning we rock up there, we've got 14 swimmers our coach is there and we're in the lagoon and the first thing we see is these two black tip sharks just like chasing fish in the lagoon <laughs> like all right not everyone's going to be comfortable with this we better like ease them into it and the first thing we got them to do was just all right let's do a little lap of the, the lagoon it's about two three hundred meters and there was a couple people four or five who were just like <gasps> like <laughs> they were so nervous uh, like these black tips they're just reef sharks they're not going to hurt you but for anyone seeing a shark in the water who don't you know they don't know about it like that they were, they were pretty panicked so then we just eased them into it and they all became pretty cool about it but yeah it was, it was a great experience and we're going back again next year but that's yeah, yeah. Like, good way to, we'll be there for good way to coach uh six, yes five day six day camp it was so it was yeah. um it was it was a good amount like i've run eight days before and everyone's kind of getting a little bit sick of each other by day six, seven, eight. Like it's a lot of time to spend with people, especially if you're tired and fatigued. So I thought our oh, five-day camp is is a good amount because you can still like swim twice a day and everyone's like, by the end of it, they're pretty tired, but they're not like, they're not getting a little bit like antsy with each other. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you, you look at a swim camp in the Maldives and you go, okay, it's just be a glorious week. It's like a, a little week of utopia, but you forget that fatigue sets in and, and people got to, uh, you know, still deal with everyone around it. So how many did you say you had 12 people there? Oh, no, we had, well, 16 swimmers, two who couldn't make it last minute. So 14 swimmers and then there was me and three other coaches. And I like to bring along other coaches because it kind of spread, it spreads the workload and they get to learn from different people. And for me as well, it's just, it's good fun having just other coaches to bounce off. And um, yeah, it was awesome. I had like a, a mate of mine who I grew up with coaching, um, a guy from Sale actually. And then I had these two guys from New Zealand who have coached with me a couple of times, uh, like ex-Olympian and then like an English channel, like legend. He's sort of got the fastest double and triple crossing of the English channel. So oh, he's that? like, uh, his name's Phil Rush. So he, this was probably 30 years ago, maybe more that he broke, broke those records, but he really well experienced open water swimmer um, and also coach and takes people across the Cook Strait in New Zealand from South to North Island. And he sort of pilots them across there. So he's like, yeah, a bit of a legend in the open water scene. So they like, yeah, he he loves to come along on the camps and do a bit of coaching, get a suntan, drink beer. <laughs> you know, just 
uh, yeah, it, it, and it works out really well. And that kind of vibe, I think, makes it fun for everyone too, where like the coaches are relaxed. When the swimmers relax, they actually swim better and get more out of it rather than being like, oh, I must like, I must get, you know, I must improve today. It's like, it, it, it works better if they're relaxed. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a good combination. Yeah, how did you find it with the reef sharks? Were you, uh, had you spent enough time there to be used to the fact that they would be nearby? Uh, oh, look, I tried, tried to channel my inner Steve Irwin, so I, I grabbed them by the tail to start with and just showed them how Aussie I was. But after that, I just I was like, ah, oh, they're no big deal. No, like oh, I knew I about gonna, yeah, reef sharks and stuff, so it was, it was fine. I was going to say, I don't want to give you another spoiler alert, but it didn't work out, didn't work out well for him. So you're going to have to try a new approach. <laughs> well, the thing was, I, like, I nearly stepped on a stingray when we were there, but like, it's, that's not going to kill you. I think it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was like a massive stingray that used to live in the, in, the, in the lagoon there. So I almost stepped on it one day. So I better actually touch wood when I say like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, they're, they're brutal as well, aren't they? Uh, there was a the same mate that I was telling you uh, who's friends with the guy who runs the membership salt guide out here. He's an ambulance officer and he was telling me he had a job a while ago where he went to Barwon Heads where some girl stepped on a stingray. I didn't realize how much damage they caused. Like they're pretty, they're pretty gnarly really? little creatures, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 spike, um, the spike. Yeah, not just on its on its head or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez, okay. Yeah, better watch out for it. Oh, there's so many times I've nearly stepped on them in the bay in Melbourne from swimming, as well. So, yes, beware. Oh man, oh dude, before I let you go, did you watch the um uh the Iron Man in in Melbourne? Was it the half or the full Iron Man that took place in Melbourne over the weekend? Yeah, they had the half on the weekend. I was, what was I doing? No, I, I wasn't down there watching, but I had a few few friends and stuff racing. Uh, did, yeah. Did they end up doing the swim? Because I was speaking to a bloke a couple of days before. He said the water was so dirty that they weren't sure whether they were going to double up the run or actually have the swim. No, last minute they decided to run it. So they, they had the swim and everyone was pretty happy about it, I think. Because if you do a half yeah. Ironman and you get sold short and you have to do a 4k run instead of a swim that you've been training for like three times a week like you're pretty pretty filthy so no they actually ended, ended up running it which was good and so far no one's died no one's got rotavirus that we know of. <laughs> yeah. they probably won't report it if they do though <laughs> yeah that's true that's true they put it down to something else oh man that no, was interesting what year because you ran the you ran the full in 2014 or something did you yeah, it would have been uh, 2016. I did okay. the full Ironman. It was in Taupo, just before yeah my son was was born, and it was yeah one hit wonder. I don't think I'll do another one, but it was a good experience. Like so fit. I was 78 kilos. I'm 85 now, 86 on a bad day. So I'm like man, that I can't believe how how much I was training then to be able to like get down to that weight. So yeah, maybe if yeah. we if we start up our walking group again oh just... dude did you guys end up going for a walk last week because i i zoned out of the text messages and forgot that it was even a thing until i messaged you saying hey jump on here but we're, we're due for another one yeah we need another another long walk so yeah we did what did we do 30 k's 32 k's i've been telling right? everyone 35 but okay 32 that might be 35 all right we'll I, call it 35 we'll call it 35 yeah it was a yeah. it was a big one so for, for everyone listening brent lives in in torquay i live in um point lonsdale and uh, we walked relatively, well, 50% of it was along the sand, that last part from Osh- uh, Barwon Heads to Point Lonsdale. And that was the real gnarly part of the walk. The first half was the first half was pretty cruisy. I couldn't believe how much a walk can can tie you out. So and, uh, uh, that was in my mind as I was listening to Am- Andrew Huberman, Huberman talk about his four-hour walks on a Sunday. 
I was like, all right, I know they're doing something. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it, was, it was so much fun. Like you can actually, because the thing about that compared to swimming is swimming, you just can't talk to anyone. So it's just you in the water. But like when you're walking, you can just, yeah, shoot the shit. And it's it's really fun. So we got, we've got to get back into it. And I think the Great Ocean Road Walk, that 110K one, is a good challenge. We've got to, we've got to book that in. Dude, all right, let's do it. Let's make that our 2023 thing. Like we've got to make sure that happens. That'll be a cool one to do. Yeah, let's do it. Done. All right, brother. All right, we'll keep talking about that soon. I'll let you go. I'm, uh, I've got to get ready and get organised. I'm going down to Melbourne tonight. Have you got much on the Savo? Uh, I've got our other walking partner visiting in about five minutes. So. Oh, dear. Yeah. All right, well, I'll love you and leave you. Oh, dude, thanks for coming on. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Talk all soon. Right, see you, brother. See you, everyone. Dude, thanks a lot, man. Sorry, I, I didn't tell you how long I was thinking about recording for us. So I hope an hour was all right. No, that's all good. Um, it's going to say, it's not like we ever had any trouble. Oh, is he? No, no, I don't think he is yet, but oh, okay. yeah, he won't be far off. It's all good. Nah, I'll leave you to it. Oi, oi, thanks a lot, bro. That was fun. And um, yeah, I'll shoot you a message and we'll, we'll line something up, uh, whether it's a shorter walk before our big 100 k <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, we might do a little bit of training for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Um, cool. All right. Thanks, all right. mate. Talk oi, soon. Thanks, brother. See you later, man.